0: we will be reading from the book of James, the entirety of chapter four. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says, the Spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Be miserable. And mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like vapor that appears for a little while then vanishes instead you should say if the lord wills we will live and do this or that but but as it is you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil so it is so it is sin to know that good the good and yet not do it this is the word of god
1: Good afternoon, everyone. mic check, mic check, check, hello. Alright, praise God, everybody's here. <laughs> Seems like, it looks like it. Not quite, but um, we're getting there. Uh, we read the entirety of the chapter 4 of the book of James, so every time we start on a chapter, we, we will be reading the entire thing. We will have a, a person reading it for us. But tonight, for because it's potless and we take that uh, into a very big consideration for our afternoon, um, I'm only going to be tackling four verses of what we read. We're still in our series of the book of James we call Radical Change. Radical Change, because a change from the inside out is the true change that everyone wants or desires. Any change in behavior without the change from the inside is temporary. But a conviction, a real conviction of the truth that comes from the inside and then it comes out, that's the real and genuine change that we all want. And the book of James is a very practical book. It's very hard-hitting and we've been hit by this book for so many weeks now and guess what it's not stopping it gets harder every sunday every chapter it seems like i entitled our message tonight love triangle love triangle wow right right filipinos know about love triangle if you have tfc you love triangle all the shows is all about love triangle It's always going to end with the poor girl that started in the show will be the rich girl that will be the hero of the day. And she was actually related to the dad that was really mean to the, you know, all that stuff. (laughs) One single, they just rehash it, different stars, but same thing. Most of the love stories are made up of a love triangle. It somehow creates a quite suspenseful and interesting drama. For the audience, who will be the couple? Now, for the audience, we we don't know who the couple is going to be, but it's quite intriguing. There are many famous love triangles, both real and fictional. Now, here are some examples. In literature, one of the most famous love triangles is found in William Shakespeare's play, Romeo and Juliet. A triangle is formed by Romeo, Juliet, and Tybalt. I'm sorry. Oh, yes. (laughs) Children, you are dismissed to your Sunday schools along with their Sunday school teachers. Sorry. I got too excited. I wanted to get to my message there. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the Sunday school teachers, the students, and the people that you brought here this afternoon. We pray and we thank you for the songs that we sang. Thank you for providing this building for us. We thank you for our guests and our members who have come and attended tonight. We pray now for your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to attend to our needs. Give us the wisdom, Lord God. Give us the clarity. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Remove anything that will hinder us from hearing you speak to us in our hearts. Clear our minds, Lord God, and guide us. As they hear my voice, Lord God, I pray that they will hear you speaking to them in their souls. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Got too excited there. No wonder Loretta was flagging me. So in literature, right? William Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet. Triangle is Romeo and Juliet and Tybalt. Now another famous love triangle in literature is Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. uh, Where Elizabeth Bennett, Mr. Darcy, and Mr. Wickman. are the three points. Some of you, um, you can catch up with this one if you watch it on Netflix maybe. Because reading is not popular anymore. Now, another famous love triangle uh, in history, there is a uh, between King Edward VIII, Wallace Simpson, and the British monarchy. King Edward VIII abdicated the throne in 1936 to marry Wallace Simpson, who he loved, but who was not accepted by the royal family. Now, in popular culture, there is a love triangle between Bella, Edward, and Jacob. What everybody knows as the Twilight, the Twilight series. Now, in the music industry, there's a famous love triangle between Taylor Swift, Joe Jonas, and Camila Cabello. Jamie had to correct me. Yeah. Now, in movies, there is a love triangle between Katniss, Pita, and Gail in the Hunger Games series. A lot of love triangles. It's, it's, uh, it's what we need, right? Now, another famous love triangle in the movies from the 2000s is portrayed, oh, I already said this, in in Twilight. Never mind. Now, a love triangle occurs when there are more than two parties present and actively pursuing one individual. Right? The one being pursued is conflicted on who to choose only because both suitors have their distinct strengths and weaknesses. Now, similar to what, just, what we just read, God, through the Apostle James, reveals to us that, there, that we, too, face a love triangle. And we are the subject of that love triangle. The love triangle that we face is the, the self, the flesh, our flesh, the sinful nature, or the world the world that is ran by the enemy, and then God. So I was trying to count that. I go, that's three, but that's probably a quadruple, not a love quadruple, not a love triangle. But we're going to try to tackle, again, four verses, right? So these three things here, including God, always fights for our attention, always fights for our affection from day to day if we're all going to be honest from from moment to moment there's always an attraction by the world that wants to derail our focus away from another person that belongs in that that love relationship either the world takes us and then takes us away from God or God takes us and takes us away from the world where our flesh tells us, no, I'm tired of following God. I want to satisfy myself. This is what we read in the verse, uh, two, first two verses. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight like a little kid. You know at the mall, right? A little kid that didn't get what they wanted, they, start, they go down on the ground and they start kicking and screaming, right? And I tell you, that will be a very rare will that kid be a Filipino kid. <laughs> because the mothers, they know how to put and administer Discipline there. Oh, you're gonna cry, huh? I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> Picks up the kid in the ear, wapa on the butt, right? So, but this is how we act, though. And again, the letter of of James was written to Christians. So again, this is not this is not for uh, unbelievers. This is for us believers, and so James is writing believers. That you, us, we quarrel and fight because we didn't get it our way. So we act as if we're little kids, but more so, we kill. The Apostle James highlights the source of conflicts and quarrels the selfish desires and unfulfilled cravings that reside within every individual, every believer. It emphasizes that when people are driven by their own self centered desires, they become prone to envy, strife, and contention. The passage encourages us believers to examine our hearts and motives, recognizing the need for transformation through surrendering these self centered desires to God. Do you agree? James is just not highlighting it for the, for the sake of it. But he's highlighting it for us to recognize that, hey, these things must go. If we claim that we believe in Jesus, these things should not be part of us anymore. Now, if we're going to be honest, time and time again, we will fail. Time and time again, we will feel envy. And then we will want to fight And lose our temper. You remember the story of Cain and Abel? Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 to 8. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel. And his offering, But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Now notice, Cain was very angry. Because what? Because God did not look at his offering with favor. Now why? Now there are different opinions to why God favored Abel's offering versus Cain's. Uh, but, and I agree with the opinion that Adam and Eve must have shared to, his, to their children the, on the day that they fell in sin against God, the parents must have shared to their children that, hey, God offered us a, an animal sacrifice for our sins. So when you want to offer something back to God, you should offer an unblemished animal so that must have been shared to the children so there's a great disobedience on Cain's part to not do that but instead use his vegetables instead of an animal sacrifice and then if there's also I'd like for us to also look at the word some in the Cain brought some of the fruits While Abel brought the first. Abel brought his first and his best. Cain brought some with his own idea. He probably justified, you know, the Lord knows. God knows, right? Church, the Christian procrastination, God knows that I don't have time to serve him. I mean, I'm really busy. God knows. Right? So Cain said, well, God knows that I love him, so it shouldn't really matter if I give him vegetables instead of an animal sacrifice. God knows. He's loving anyway. He saved me by grace. So we, we get to justify it. So there. But then look at, look at the Lord. It's so, so gracious. God's so, so gracious. He says, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Pointing out that Cain is doing something wrong. Now if, because God is a fair God. God is a just God. God will not make things up to just get us in trouble. If anything, we're the ones who makes, make things up to get away from trouble. Instead of just doing what God has requested us or have commanded us to do, We divert, justify, change. We change with the popular thinking. There's too much pressure to stand with the Word of God, so I'm going to go with the popular thinking. I will stand with the world rather than with God. Because doing the right thing is not easy. Amen? For Filipinos, doing the right thing is not easy when it comes to an appointment. Simple as an appointment. You know, in the Philippines, pedestrian, you know, pedestrian uh, uh, lanes, it's a thing. We have it. But we love to jaywalk. <laughs> we have jaywalkers in the freeway or highway because we don't care. We, it's, the rules and regulations there are just suggestions for us. They're not rules. But see... God said, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Christians, if we know God's commands to us, it best pays us to do what he says. If he tells us to be humble, we say, yes, Lord, help me to be humble, not humbug, right? When he tells us to remove our self-centered focusness or focus about a certain way of life and trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not in our own understanding, it pays that we say, okay, Lord, I'll go with what you're saying. I'll go with with your command. And then look at the warning. But if you do not do... You see, God says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Because God says, that means, you do what is right, I will bless you. But then he says, if we do not do what is right, look, He says, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother, Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. A first murder recorded in human history. And mind you, guns were not there. He was not killed. He was not killed by a gun. Well, see, that's, isn't that the sad thing? Brothers killing each other. Over what? Jealousy. And God warned Cain. See, The crouching, the picture of sin is crouching at your door. The enemy, the world, and sin is always out there to get us believers. Always. The picture of the crouching animal ready to pounce on its prey, that's what sin is. It's ready. It's ready to catch us when we're unguarded, when we're not surrendered, When we have not completely said to the Lord, I trust you. We fail and we sin. The enemy tempts us by using the world. It tempts everything about the world, the the society that we live in, right? It's against God's commands. Do you agree? It's just crazier and crazier, it seems like every week now, there's something more crazy. You just can't call them with the right pronouns, which is he and she. There's they, them. Right? It's impossible now. I mean, especially for us Filipinos, we never had pronouns. We call everybody sha. Asan where is, sha? Where is he or she? See, with, it's, uh, <laughs> there's no gender in our pronouns. It's just, it's it's generalization. So when we we start speaking in English, he and she, we intermix it. My wife is here, she was here earlier, right? Or he was here earlier. We kind of mix it. So now we, we throw in political stuff in there. So the world just confuses us and continues to tell us that what right that God tells us, the right things that God teaches us and tells us is actually wrong. Now, the other thing that we go back to James, what causes fights and quarrels among you, as Christians, we in our church, sadly, in our, in our history, we have a church division in our history that occurred uh, I want to say, when I became the pastor, <laughs> there was a church division. And it's, it, it, it's tough to be a part of that. Whether you're the one leaving or the one staying behind, it's tough. It's like a family getting divorced. There's no divorce that is taken lightly. Everybody will be affected. The children will be affected. The people that are watching the testimony of God is tarnished because they come from the battle within us. There's, there's a war inside of us. The flesh, the old flesh, the sinful nature constantly wants to come out. And the Holy Spirit that indwells in every believer continues to remind us, you are a new creation created in Christ Jesus. It is no longer you who lives, but Christ lives in you. You have been crucified with Christ. It's always a battle. Identification of the source of conflicts. James highlights that conflicts and quarrels arise from the desires of that battle within individuals. These desires are often self-centered and driven by personal gratification. If you never had problem with your rage and then you became a Christian, you will not have a problem with your rage because it was never in you. But if, if you had it from the very beginning, those are the things that will constantly want to come out. If you had a problem with your temper and you became a Christian, you will still battle with that because it's warring within you. By recognizing recognizing this internal struggle, believers, us believers, were all encouraged to confront and surrender these selfish desires to God. Admitting that we have a problem is a first step to healing. That's the that's the AA. Uh, Uh, first step is admittance they have to admit that they have a problem and same with us Christians we have to admit that there are still many things about our old self that still very much lives in us and all these things they they cause conflicts let's give some uh, look at some examples of uh, potential conflicts or jealousy or envy that we feel about material possessions right Keeping Up with the Joneses. Last month you bought your 2022 Bentley. And then your neighbor right across you who you do not like comes driving in with his 2023 Rolls Royce. And you're just like unhappy because there's no way he's going to have the nicer car than me. Conflicts can emerge when individuals have a strong desire for material wealth or possessions. This this can lead to envy, jealousy, and even theft or dishonesty as people compete to acquire what they desire. Such conflicts can arise within families, friendships, or even in professional environments. So true. That's why there's always a competition, a science competition. You're having a time of your life in Mexico, in Cancun, right? And you're just like, oh, I'm I'm having so much fun. You go on your Facebook, you saw this one person you don't like, and they're in Hawaii surfing, and they're looking like you're having a good time. You're like, oh, man, I should have gone to Hawaii, (laughs) right? How about power and control? When individuals seek power and control over others, Conflicts can arise. This can manifest in church, personal relationships, workplace dynamics. The desire for authority and dominance can lead to manipulation, oppression, and conflicts over decision-making and influence. It has to be my idea because my idea is the better one. I hear you, good idea, but that's not going to work because my idea will. Right? This is where business meetings become challenging when two strong personalities come up with big ideas for the same goal. Same thing with families. The father will suggest where to go for a vacation. The mom will say, bad idea. Or it's like when the wife says, where do you want to eat to the husband? We all know husbands, that, that's a trick, right? That's a, that's a trap. Where do you want to eat? I mean, when, when you were just dating, she always appreciated it when you say, oh, wherever you want to eat, honey, it's up to you. And she tells her friends, he's so considerate. He always asks me what I want. And then five years in the marriage, then she goes, same question, where do you want to eat, honey? Oh, wherever you want to eat, sweetheart, it's up to you. And then she goes, why can't you make up your mind? It's like you're not a guy, and not a man. Make up your mind. For once, make a decision for us. you're like what, what happened here what happened power and control can happen in husband and wives power and control happens in families right my way or the highway says says the dad or the mom or the child relationships and love conflicts can emerge in romantic relationships or friendships when self centered desires come into play. For example, if one person in a relationship becomes possessive or overly jealous, oof, conflicts can arise. Additionally, conflicts can occur when individuals prioritize their own needs and desires over the well being and happiness of their loved ones. We have to be fair, right? When we're as husband and wife, we become one when we, get, when we get married. Amen? Okay, some people agree. Some people are in conflict with it. But yes, we become one. Does your money become one? Mm. Ten people said, yeah, yeah. But 90 said, nah. Our money become one. We must have the biblical teaching. You must not have separate bank accounts. One guy. Let's go. Let's go. We're getting there. When the wife wants to help her family, the husband says, Sure, sweetheart. Help your family. My money is your money. Your money is mine. Your family is my family. But when the husband says, Can I help my family, sweetheart? She's like, Again? And the the husband goes, what do you mean again? The last time I helped them was 10 years ago. Like, but still, I mean, they're going to get used to it. <laughs> it has to be fair. There has to be equal share. Can't be selfish. There has to be giving. When you're late, your husband must consider that you are busy because you have to do a lot of stuff. You have to fix your hair, do your makeup, match your shoes and your dress, right? But when your husband is late, he's inconsiderate. (laughs) Oh, God, you're so inconsiderate. I mean, party started 10 minutes ago, right? It has to be fair. How about recognition and status? Ambitions for recognition, fame and social church status can give rise to conflicts. When individuals are solely focused on advancing their own interests and gaining recognition, they may compete with others Engage in an unhealthy rivalries or undermine other believers to achieve their goals. I want to sing in front of everybody, and everybody must be behind me. Mike, please make sure that their microphones are lower because their voice, it's horrible. I should be the one to be heard. I should be the one that is a mainstay guitar player. I should be the one that is the mainstay speaker. I should be, right, when, when we put I in front of God, we know that our focus is, not, is incorrect. That's when conflicts happen. Personal preference and opinions. Conflicts can arise from self-centered desires related to personal preference and opinions. When individuals prioritize their own viewpoints without considering or respecting the perspective of others, disagreements and conflicts can occur. This can be seen in debates over politics in which suggestion must be used for a ministry or which suggestion must be used for a ministry at church. As a pastor, I have the privilege of really serving people and most of the time playing referee, (laughs) you know, for uh, being a mediator about opinions and suggestions. And it's so much easier when people are open-minded, knowing that, okay, let's try my idea for now and then we could go with yours or the opposite. We'll go with yours first and then mine later if that's okay, right? But sometimes, no, we want it our way, right? We want it. The parking must be done in this way. All cars facing southwest, right? Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. The flooring must be installed facing this way, not that way, right? That's when personal preferences. If it's not, and I always tell people this, right? if it has nothing to do with doctrine, it's personal preference, we can make do without it, with or without it. Now these examples illustrate how conflicts can stem from self-centered desires, which is all over verse 1 and 2. And it only prioritizes personal gain. That may not be financial gain, but it could be the control the recognition, the preference over the well-being and the harmony of the relationship. Recognizing and addressing these self-centered tendencies is quite crucial for promoting understanding, empathy, and cooperation in order to navigate conflicts in a healthier and a more constructive way as a church. Amen? As a church, we will irritate each other, just like every family, right? Iron sharpens iron. That's what the proverb says, right? And what, what happens when, you're sharpened, when, when iron hits iron? Sparks will fly. That's why God moved us to sparks. <laughs> sparks are flying verse 2b and then up to verse 3 you do, not have, you do not have because you do not ask God when you ask you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures now this section we will discuss prayer um, but before that James used a word here that um, um, is quite telling of what it means for a person who spends it on his pleasure, which is a hedonist. So the word hedonai, is a, it means sensual delight. By implication, it means desire, lust, and pleasure. Now, a hedonist person is one who believes that the pursuit of pleasure is the most important thing in life. They are what you call a pleasure seeker. Do you know any hedonist? A hedonistic lifestyle is engaged in the pursuit of pleasure. And it's usually very sensual and self-indulgent. So you go back to the verse knowing that that's the meaning of that word. James now echoes Jesus here in Matthew 7.7. 7, when Jesus says, Ask and you shall receive but then James puts that big caveat there he says but you don't receive because what you ask is actually sinful now the name it claim it Christians have a trouble with this verse I would say right now I'll give you some reasons there's a lot of reasons but I think these are the three major reasons why someone's prayer are not answered. Number one, they don't belong to God's family. You'll see that in Jeremiah eleven eleven. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am bringing disaster on them, them meaning the people that don't believe Him, which they will not be able to escape. Though they will cry to me, yet I will not listen to them. Second, Is our sin. As Christians, when we sin against God, in Isaiah 59 2, our prayers are hindered, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And then we heard it from James, um, James 4 3, asking with the wrong motive. So we have to seek God's guidance with our prayer. Do you agree? Do you just get on the horn with God and just give Him your grocery list? Now, the prayer warriors that attend every Wednesday here, it's, I know we go through this Wednesday after Wednesday. I feel like we, we should all get a master's degree in, in the theology or doctrine of prayer. But prayer really is, prayer is not simply getting things from God. That is the only, that is only the most elementary kind of prayer. Prayer is coming into perfect fellowship and oneness with God. That's Oswald Chambers from the devotional My Utmost for His Highest. We have to ask for God's help even in your praying to him. You have to ask for guidance from him. But he also promises us that in Romans 8:26 that the Holy Spirit knows the groaning of our souls Then he is the one that communicates to the father what we truly need even if we missed saying it how's your prayer life Christian is your prayer life does it go as far as when you're driving during the wintertime and your car slips and that's the most intimate time of your prayer. Oh my God, help me now, Lord. This is where you rescue me in Jesus' name, I pray. Help this car stop. Is that the most intimate prayer that ever that you ever recited? When you're in trouble? It should not be. Although when you're sleeping, should, you should pray. God will respond to you. All right. But our prayer life should be as intimate as that moment in, even on good times. Even on good times when trouble's not there. See, the thing is, it's so true for many of us that God whispers in our blessings, right? He whispers in our blessings. We can barely hear Him because sadly, we're so blessed, we're eating from the fat, right? The bank account is, is, is just overflowing interest there coming out of the nostril, healthy, you're healthier in your tip-top shape, your relationship with your spouse and your children is like at the optimum, there's no need for God. But when trouble comes, God's voice is on a megaphone, yelling and saying, will you now finally get down on your knees and pray to me? genuine and humble requests made in alignment in God's will are more likely to be answered according to His perfect plan. Because if you did not see it, James is saying your prayers will be answered if it is, if it is aligned with God's will. So what we need to know as Christians is what is God's will for me so that I can continue to pray for that Particular thing. What is God's will for us? Will said it earlier that we become holy as He is holy. First and foremost, that we are to walk in this life in obedience. All the blessings, they're all bonuses from God. Our children, our spouse, our health, our life, our businesses, our jobs, our vacation homes. Those are all blessings, bonuses. But the most important thing is our relationship with God. So if we want our prayer life to be thriving, we have to ask for God's guidance. Lord, help me pray according to your will. Because in 1 John 5, 14-15 reads, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. Christianity, being a born-again Christian, is not by any means a change of behavior only. That's religion. A change in your behavior is a religion. But a change from the inside out, it can only come from God. And that also reflects and shows in our prayer life. How is your prayer life? Are you praying for God's will to happen in your life? Or are you still dictating to God what you want Him to do for you? Rather than the opposite. Lord, what would you rather have me do with the life that you've given me? Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Doesn't this scare you? all of a sudden become so in love with the Turkish nation that you now become have become a spy but you still front yourself as the U.S. ambassador for Turkey some of us Christians we have the name tag and the citizenship of of heaven Christian little Christ belongs in heaven my final destination is heaven. We have it on our shirts, we have it on our plate numbers, but our lives you would think be, that you're an imposter. Becoming friends with the world, the LGBTQ agenda is one of the things that the church, some of the Christian church churches, have embraced which is a completely false and sinful truth that is all written in the Bible. That's one. And there's other things like living in sin. Some of us have embraced the fact that sexual immorality is acceptable. We live in America now. It's 2023. Who cares about getting married? I'm going to live in with my partner. It, I get more benefits in taxes anyway. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You make God your enemy when you become friends with the world. And and, and James uses the the term adulterer or adulteress like because of like uh, it's a marriage term because. What are we? Church of Christ, what are we? We are Christ's bride. We are His bride. So this is when Christians say, Oh, I don't care about church, man. I can worship God on my own. I do my devotions. I listen to messages. I do the right things. I obey Him. But church, I don't like it because I don't like the hypocrites that are in there. Well, you just made God your enemy because God loves His bride. God loves the church, no matter how imperfect the church is, because it's a house full of sinners saved by grace. This is not a museum of saints. We are saints because of Christ's blood. But well, we are going to continue to inflict pain, unfortunately, towards each other because of our, when, when, when we fall into our selfish, self-centeredness mindset, God is a jealous God. The love triangle, you being the object of that, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord, God is jealous of your love. God is jealous of your time. God is jealous of your strength. God is jealous of your full attention. He doesn't want to share you Whoever told you that was lying to you. God wants to fool you, to complete you, everything about us. God's desire for an intimate relationship in the passage of verse 1 to 4 portrays God as a jealous lover who longs for a deep and intimate connection with his people. It emphasizes that God's spirit dwells within believers and he desires their wholehearted devotion. And this is done by prioritizing our relationship with him. Believers of Christ, we can experience that intimate relationship with him through his grace and through his guidance and his favor. In Mark twelve thirty to 31, it reads, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? and Jesus answered them and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength and the second is like this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these church when we see each other here we have to recognize that our brothers and our sisters They carry the image of God. And God values them as God values us. We are to be caring of that. We have to be loving of each other. Despite the disagreements, we can do it in a loving manner. Your spouse is a gift from God. Your children are a gift from God. You are to treat them as they are God's gift to you. We have to value each other. We have to see all these things. We have to remove our selfish desires in order for our relationships here to work. And when it works, the testimony of God, looking when the Word looks in at the, at the church, they see God's love. Amen? Amen? That is our message for this afternoon. Thank you very much for your patience. As the music team make their way up here, while they're singing their closing hymn, If you have any decisions you want to make this evening, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord, please come up so we can lead you into that prayer. If you have been visiting us for quite some time and the Lord has uh, impressed it in your heart that you are to become a part of this church, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, please come up so we can pray for you. Up there, we'll... we'll, or, or be convinced we'll pray for the people that will come up front and that will be down here let's say another word of prayer father we thank you for your message for us we thank you for the hard truths that you have placed upon our minds father uh, help us to accept it it's hard to be reminded father God that we are selfish that we still have it because we strive to not be that anymore help us Lord God to be humble in order for us to receive the truth of your message for us protect our relationships protect our families protect us from the lies of the enemy and the deception of the world give us Lord God the the discernment to be able to identify the lies that is being propagated in our lives Help us to be wise. Help us to live for you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said...